Oh man. Okay, hey, guys. We're getting ready for the movie. This is Friday night when we're recording it and figured we would shoot the announcements real quick. Imagine if like I do this announcement video and I come up and I'm like, hey, we're gonna do announcements for a really long time. No, just kidding. Real quick, few things coming up here at Keys Vineyard. This Wednesday at 6.30, one more youth will be meeting again. That is our gathering for junior high and senior high students. That's about uh, 6th to 7th grade all the way up through 12th grade. So uh, if you're in that age range and would like to come, we'll be hanging out. We'll have pizza, worship. going to be a great time. Join us. If you know a junior high, senior high student, invite them to that. going to be a lot of fun. February 6th, after church, that's next Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, we'll be having our newcomers lunch. So if you're new to the church and you'd like to meet us on staff, that would be a great opportunity. We'll be on one of the two decks doing that. February 12th, uh, that's a Saturday, probably a week from Saturday, uh, we'll be at Bay Honda. 9 a.m., we go to Sandsburg and we do our baptisms there. That's about an hour long. That's going to be February 12th, 9 a.m. at Bay Honda Beach. Also this month, we're excited to announce our first family fun night. That's going to be February 16th. It's on a Wednesday. We're going to be breaking out our bounce houses. It's going to be a lot like our fall fests uh, that we've done in the past. Um, Sands candy, no candy, no uh no costumes, but you'll be able to do all the bounce house. It's going to be fun, air-conditioned, really a great time. Uh, we'll have some kind of food there, too, so you won't want to miss that. Keep downloading the app, guys. It's finally back on the Google Store. We worked it out with them. Uh, still working strong on the Apple App Store. And, uh, hey, I'm so excited for church, aren't you? Let's get ready for it. Woo! Good morning. It's great to see you guys. No comments necessary there. It's just great to see you. It's okay. <laughs> Last service was like, how you doing? And then, you know, I discovered we can't really have a conversation like this. I have a microphone. It's not fair. Anyway, hope you're warm. Hopefully you found some coffee. It's good coffee. Do we still do hot chocolate? We have the mixes, right? Yeah, that's cool. That, that's like a perfect day for hot chocolate, isn't it? Kind of want a cup. Anyway, let me tell you what we will be up to today. We start our services here at the Vineyard with communion, and Pastor Barry will be leading us in that. He's down visiting us from Jupiter, Florida, along with his wife, Renee, who will be singing with us. Okay, yeah, there, there. You, get a, you get an applause this time. Yeah, you didn't even do anything yet. <laughs> After communion, we will have our time of worship. After worship, Pastor Georgina will come up to teach the kids a Bible verse, and then we'll have our message. It's Encourager Part 5 today, so going to be good. Before we jump in, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather here this morning and to fellowship with one another and to worship you. Lord God, would you come now and would you fill this place with your presence, God? Would you open our hearts to experience your great and abundant love for us, God? We want to encounter you today in our worship and in studying the Word. So, God, have your way. Come, Holy Spirit. And we join with all the churches all over the world proclaiming your gospel with this collect. Lord God, you know that we are in the midst of so many great dangers and that because of our human weakness, we cannot always stand upright. Grant us such strength and protection that we may be supported in all dangers and carried through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Barry, would you please celebrate communion for us? On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last supper, the Passover celebration, a couple of plagues and sanctification that had already been poured and celebrated. 
Jesus took the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us the lasting ordinance or remembrance that we call communion of the Lord's table, of the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. So as his friends gathering this morning, we partake of this meal, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. We want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So this morning over here on the side of the sanctuary on this table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body, and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship in song and you feel led by the Spirit, please come and partake and remember and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Barry. We're going to enter into our time of worship now together. And I'd encourage us all to sing out and to participate and to lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst. We'll see the words pop up all over the place. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. This is anything is possible. And there is no shadow that has ever
God, you are so good. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I would ask that you would be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us, God. Use those words to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you be with those working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, O oh Lord. You are so good, God. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Boys and girls, so excited that you're here. Oh, cool. So, and, uh-oh, you okay? Okay, so we have been learning, right, from, about worship, which is to celebrate the goodness of God, right, from the book of Exodus. But now we're going to the third book of the Bible. Yes, do you remember what the name of the third book is? It starts with an L. Leviticus. Excellent job. That's all awesome. Yes. Leviticus is the third book of the Bible, and it's full of God's rules and laws. So we are going by, by learning about that book, we can learn how God taught the Israelites what, how, what worship looked like what worship looked like, and we are going to learn that God deserves our worship, right, by studying these rules and these laws, and God had a rule and a law about offerings, and these were gifts that people brought to the Lord, remember, that God built a tabernacle so that he could visit his people, he could be with them, and that God's people, so sorry, sweetie pie, so God's people, and God's people could go there and meet with God, right, and then they brought them these offerings, these gifts, and you know, when somebody wanted to praise God, they brought, they brought, they brought God a burnt offering, because God deserves a praise, when they wanted to thank God, they brought him, very good, yes, it was different things, it was grain, money, or animals, they offered, very good, and if they wanted to thank the Lord, they would give a grain offering because God deserves our thanks. And then if they wanted to celebrate the Lord, they brought a fellowship offering. That's what it was called because God deserves to be celebrated, right? And then one of the other ones was if they ever did anything wrong, they could bring a sin offering to say, sorry, Lord, right? And that's so important because, you know what, God wants us to turn away from sin, right, and to turn back to him. Oh, yeah. What is it? the one important rule, Mm -hmm. don't kill your neighbors. Very good. That's very important. Thank you. Thank you for telling us. Yeah, it's being kind. So our Bible verse for today invites us to worship the Lord. And, guys, we worship the Lord by loving him by obeying him and by living our lives in a way that brings him glory, that makes him known, okay? You can do that. You have that ability. God will help you. Isn't that awesome? I think it's great. All right. So Bible verse for today, 90, Psalm 95.6, and it says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. So we're going to say that together. Are you guys ready? Yes, I am kneeling. Cool. Ready? After me. Psalm 95, 6. Good. Come. Let us bow down. Let us bow down. In worship. Let us kneel. Let us kneel. Before the Lord our Maker. Before the Lord our Maker. Excellent job. Good. Did you get a cigar? Good job. Children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Awesome, guys. We get all those passed out. Mm -hmm. Pastor Georgina will pray for the kids and we'll dismiss them. Children's Church. Okay, ready? So now we're going to pray. Let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord, okay? Ready? Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord God, for the life that you've given us, God, for protecting us and providing for us and guiding us, Lord. And we thank you, God, for just 
the amazing love that you have for us, Lord. And I pray that the little ones will learn what it is to worship you. In Jesus' name, what do we say, guys? Amen. 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 Have fun. Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you with us. We've all been dealing with our weekend of winter. We like to get it over with here in the Keys. Bring it on one weekend down. Boom. Perfect. Everybody's found their warmer clothes and we're good. I know a lot of you watching online are probably in a much worse situation. I think it, it was 49 on my drive here. I think we're into the mid-50s now. So 55. We're pulling out of it here. Probably not for a lot of you. We look online. So at 8 o'clock, we had uh, 50 people with us online. And a lot of them were like in blizzard situations. So... The sun is shining, all is well. Amen? Winter will be over tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> if you're a guest or visitor, glad you're here. And uh, that code, that, that QR code just popped up there for you. Uh, if you pointed your smart device at that, what would happen is a link would pop up on your phone to our digital connect card. If you fill out the digital connect card, let me tell you what's going to happen. Your name, e- email, and uh, phone number. Over the next five or six weeks, you will get a series of texts and emails. They just keep coming. And so know that if you if you click on there, but they tell you about the church, ask how you're doing, invite you to come back. All sorts of cool things will be happening with that. We have gifts for you as well. First time guests back at guest services. So if you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out. We'll get you one then. All right. So that's very cool. We are also praying for our neighbors very specifically. And I've encouraged you. This is something to be doing around your neighborhoods. To be praying for your neighbors. It has a big impact. God planted you where you are. And he does that for a variety of reasons. But this is one of them. To be a light there into the world. And so let's sort of go corporately to the Father. Just I want you to think about your neighbors. Let's get a few of them in mind. And then uh, we'll pray. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. And we pray, God, that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. And that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. And God, we ask that you would help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. God, bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good job. Keep it up. Keep praying for your neighbors. It makes a huge difference. Uh, let's see. One other thing. We started last week. We, at once a year, we call this the One More Offering. It's a special offering where we just sort of lay out before you things we'd like to accomplish over the next year. We didn't do one last year because everything was so crazy, um, but... Uh, Here's what I ask you to do about the one more offering. It's a very low-pressure sort of event. I do ask you to do a couple of things. One of them, please go watch a video that I made. It's four and a half minutes long. I keep it short because I know that that's important. Four and a half minutes, and I talk about the things that we would like to see accomplished next year, and then pray. Please, that's the, those are the big things, and prayer is the biggest. Just pray, and even if, even if all we have is you on board praying for those things, we consider that a win. But if, as you're praying, you feel led to partner with us, in a financial way, uh, any time between now and Easter, um, just in any of the regular offerings, if you give them by check, just add one more to it, or in any of the digital formats, there'll be a way for you to do that. Do that, and that would be great. But please go and watch the video, and then pray. And so that's cool. And Colleen asked me to invite everyone, our, our good friend, and been coming to church here forever, J.C. Massey, went to be with the Lord before, just before Christmas. And we're going to celebrate uh, him in his life this Saturday at 11. So if you'd like to come for that, we'll be doing that. Okay. We're continuing on in our series called Encourager. 
this series is about the importance of uh, being encouragers, the ministry of encouragement. And when we started, we, we talked about Holy Spirit, that he, one of his roles is actually encourager. The word paraclete means to come alongside and comfort, and it has that same sort of picture of encouragement and to encourage someone is to put courage into them and and the the courage that we're trying to put into people is to obey God and go his way. Uh, we have a, an enemy who's trying to do the exact opposite. He doesn't want people listening to God. Uh, he wants people going and listening to themselves and going their own way and listening to culture and all those things. So we are called to encourage, to, to come alongside and encourage a very discouraged world. And so it's part of the ministry that we're to take on. And we are sort of focusing in in one passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I've asked you to, to kind of hang out there, to meditate on these verses, to memorize them, and to ask Holy Spirit to sort of deepen it for you. And so we're taking our time working through this passage. I think it's, it sort of typifies encouragement and all that it means. So we're going very slowly through it together, and we're going to continue to do that today. We'll be in verse 21, talking about Jesus as uh, our great priest and what that means. Quickly, we're going to do the bad jokes so I, and I want to so Pastor Billy he sends me bad jokes almost every day and they're really bad and I've selected 3 from this past week for you to give you a window on my world What do you call a sick eagle illegal What do you call a stubborn pig on a leash pulled pork This is really not a joke, more of a statement. Putting a cow in an elevator really raises the stakes. These are the kind of texts I get throughout the week. I wanted to share them with you. Alice, my love, would you please come pray for us and lead us in the reading of the word. So we have Pastor Billy to thank for those. Yes. Yes, Thank you, Pastor Billy, if you're watching. Okay, how many of you turned the heat on in your seats in your car on the way here? (laughs) Yeah, right? I was like, oh, I can stay there. Cold for us. We're just not used to it. Let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Daddy, you're so, so good to us. Father, thank you that when we come together corporately as a group, we feel you in our midst. Lord, hope rises within us again, Lord. Thank you that we can lay it all at your feet, that your mercies are new every morning, Papa. I pray, Lord, that as we learn today how to be better encouragers, Father, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, Father, and most of all, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Hebrews. We're continuing in Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 26 through 28. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. Okay, so remember we're we're looking at the book of Hebrews together together, and it was written to persecuted 
believers, Jewish believers, which is they all were in the beginning of the church. And the persecution had gotten so intense that they were considering leaving the faith and going back to Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging them and saying, that's really not even an option because in Jesus you found all that you've been looking for all along. And everything was pointing at him from the very beginning. And he makes a lot of comparisons between the, the Levitical way of doing things and the way that Jesus does them. And so the, there's a lot of temple language in here and, and there's a lot of this great, great priest talk throughout the, uh, the letter to the Hebrews. It comes up over and over again. And we are sort of focusing in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Remember, I, I said it'd be really good if you memorize some of this, just so it kind of, you're hanging out with it and you're thinking about it. And it's one of those passages you should probably have in your knower. And so we've already done verse 19 and 20. Therefore, remember, that brings in the whole story, particularly what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Brothers and sisters, we're the family of God. And we now have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done, we have access into the, the actual presence of God. Uh, and, and so, and, and it says since. That's a, we'll get to that in just a second. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And remember the, the, the picture the writer used is of his, his, his Flesh being torn is like the curtain being torn, so we have access behind it into the holy place. And today we're going to look, and since uh, we have a great priest over the house of God, we're going to dig into that together. And let me just say this, that next week we'll be in the next verse, I'll read in a minute. There's a shift that happens uh, between this verse and the next verse. So right now we're dealing with really things that Jesus has done on our behalf. There's two senses since and since, we, which we just read, uh, since we have confidence and since we have a great priest. What you'll see when we start next week is it begins with a series of let us's. Um, five let us's. I kind of think of it as sort of some sort of fancy salad. And, uh, I, what, well, hey, you gotta remember where you can. But you'll see a change, and we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But what the, what's coming is let us then, uh, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more more as you see the day approaching. So we're, we're going to head into all of those verses as we press in. But today I want to take some time and talk about this idea of Jesus as our great priest. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God. When you read house of God, the connection you should make is that really talking there about the family of God. And we looked at that in week two, I think, when I took you back to Second Samuel, so I don't need to go through it all again. But, but we have this great priest, Jesus, over this family, brothers and sisters. That's what's going on. Everything is different because of that. And we need to make sure that we are thinking about how amazing it is that Jesus is our great priest. And that we don't sort of dismiss him or think, well, he's come and he's gone now and we're, we're waiting for him to come back. But he's really, he's up there in heaven somewhere a million miles away and we're just kind of waiting on him to come back. Uh, listen, Jesus is alive. He's active in our lives. He's praying for us. The scripture tells us he's, he's so very much involved in everything. And, and we're, we're, you know, we're anxiously waiting his return. And I know he's excited about coming and, and setting everything right, uh, when he's done. But, but you need to think about Jesus that way. Don't, don't think of him as a baby or on a cross. He's alive. He's coming back. He's with us. He's for us. He's got us. And, and you need to be thinking about him like that. And the writer of Hebrews then gives us some depth into what it means that he's our great priest. And it starts with this in Hebrews 4, uh, where, where Jesus is able to sympathize or empathize with us. I, I love this idea. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize or sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet... He did not sin. It's important that you get that. Let us then, because of that, 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what you need to know about Jesus is, is that he understands you. He gets you. He's lived this life that we've lived. He came and, and lived in this fallen world on this broken planet. And he experienced the range of things that we experience. So he gets what it's like to feel hurt and betrayed and all the other things that we might experience. And all the good stuff as well. But he gets that. He understands you in this journey. And this is so important for us to get a hold of. This whole idea is... If we, if we don't know that Jesus gets us, that he's lived us, that he's for us, we have a tendency when things are difficult to go away from him thinking that somehow we need to get all this stuff worked out before we can get with Jesus. We get very performance oriented. When the reality is that because he understands us and because he gets us, he's there to help us when we're going through situations. And he, when you go to Jesus, when you're, when you got something going on, he doesn't start judging you and point the finger at you and beat up on you. He, he gets it. He didn't sin, but he gets you. He knows what it's like to live and he wants to help you through it with mercy and grace and encouragement and empowering you to go and to do the things that you need to do. And that's where we find life. And what's so important in this understanding is, see, he's doing what a royal priest should do, which is to help you in your difficulties to move in better directions and to live the full and abundant life. Not to point at your... You, do you get that you don't need your mess pointed out for the most part? Most of you know that you're a mess, right? <laughs> i got two hands up front. Yes. Thank you. We, we get that. That's not what we need when we go to Jesus and we think, oh, he's going to he, he He understands. What we need is someone that's going to help us move towards wholeness and healing, to, to move in the right directions. And if we don't understand that that's what Jesus wants to do for us as our great priest, then what we will never do is assume that role of the royal priesthood ourselves, which is what we're called to. Remember last week I said you're called to be the royal priesthood. We lost it at the fall, but we're back in Jesus. If we don't get how Jesus... Jesus does that for us. We won't engage in that ourselves. And what he wants us to do is receive that, that mercy and that grace, knowing that he gets us, he sympathizes with us, he empathizes with us, so that we can be that for the world around us. And, 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 so we were, Alice and I were laughing this week. So sometimes, I can, I can, if I'm not careful, I can get a little judgy. Anybody else? And we call it, I call it, I'm, oh, I'm being Judgy McJudgerton right now. And it can be some, you know, all kinds of things can do that. I can hear something, read something. I can be driving down the road, which is where it really happens. And uh, I'll say that. I, I was saying to my wife this week, I don't, I don't, that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be Judgy McJudgerton. And I said, you know, the only thing that can come from being Judgy McJudgerton, the only thing that you have come in your direction from that is what I call the great humiliation. All some of you get that right away. And I don't want that. That's not good. And so I, I, I begin to say, we kind of laugh about it. I go, you know, I, I can feel my, and so when I'm feeling judgy, I try and talk about it right. Ooh, I'm just feeling really judgy right now. And I don't want to be that. I want to be like Jesus, this great priest. I want to be sympathetic. I want to have some empathy. I want to know that when, when I sort of catch that from somebody, what's going on is uh, that's their brokenness that's sort of popping out. And rather than judge it, I want to be able to pray for them and love them and encourage them if, I'm pos- if it's possible. Uh, instead of being all, all judgy, where there's no life. See, it's the, it's the opposite. You're, you're called to be a royal priest in this, and we end up being the absolute opposite of that, which is this critical mess. There's no life there. And until we take it in for ourselves, he's our great priest and he loves us, and he's moving us in healthy and whole ways towards life. We won't do it for others. So we have to pick that up there. So understand that about Jesus. He gets you. He understands you. That's a, that's a life-changing thing when we get that. It's not based on my performance. It's based on his mercy and grace and his love for me, which then will lead to me living a life that, you know, blesses him and blesses me and all those things. Secondly, so we have a great priest who's seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is out of Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. Now, 
the main point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by human, uh, not by a mere human being. Now, why I, this is so important that you, you get this. I want to make some connection. Because I think when we first read that, if we're not careful, and we read, he's seated at the right hand of the majesty of the throne, that may sort of put in your mind this thought that he's a long way away, because we sometimes think that heaven is millions of miles away. And and now he's up there, which is okay, but man, he's a long way away. But what I want you to connect is when you see that ver- the line, let's, why I left that up there, verse 2. The sanctuary, the tabernacle, the true tabernacle. What should happen now, because we've talked about this idea of tabernacle and temple so often, is that you should read that and you should start making some connections. Ah, tabernacle. That's the place where heaven and earth meet. That's what's going on in temple. That's what Jesus represents. That's how God wanted it in the beginning. We're that. Now, the Holy Spirit living in us. You start making all these connections. And so instead of thinking that that verse is saying that Jesus has come and now he's gone millions of miles away, it's not saying that. It's saying that he's now uh, defeated death, risen again, and he's seated in the heavenly places. Well, if you remember the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, He tells us the same thing, that Jesus is now seated in the heavenly places. And then in Ephesians 2, what's he tell us? We're also seated there now. Well, here we stand. How is that possible? Well, the heavenly place that we keep talking about, the tabernacle, the picture, is that place where heaven and earth connect and overlap. It's a very real place now. And we have access there. And that's where we find life. And I've said prayer. That's the language that exists in, in in the heavenly overlap. And so... It's not the way it's going to be, because we know that's coming in Revelation 21. But because of Jesus and the way he's entered the scene, we already have access to what's going on. We live with him in that true tabernacle. And they're connected. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And you need to live like that. That changes things as well. Because we have a tendency to live sometimes like heaven is way off in the distance and it's something that's way off in the, in the future for us. And neither of that is how it works. There's a connection that happens now. And when we live in that way, life begins to change for us. And I think it's easier for us to begin to encourage the world rather than just be all Judgy McJudgerton all the time. Because I still have hope that some people that are driving are going to get better. <laughs> I don't know. I can pray that... Please, someone, speak to this person about what this left lane is really all about. <laughs> but I digress. I don't want to. Be, I want to have empathy and sympathy. It's a nice-looking lane for some people. That's great. <laughs> Our Jesus, as a great priest, he's superior in every way. And if you would continue to read on in Hebrews eight and verse six, it actually brings that up. But I want to. Jump back into the scripture reading in Hebrews 7, and the, the writer of Hebrews begins to list some ways that Jesus is superior, that his, him as great priest is better than anything that had ever happened. Such a high priest, verse 26, truly meets our need, one who's holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. So he starts by saying that, that Jesus is sinless. No other priest, no other high priest could ever say that, but Jesus starts, uh, Jesus is that, he's sinless. And then he goes on, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for our own, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. So, here's the thing. So, because Jesus never sinned, he doesn't have to go and offer sacrifices for himself. Instead, he's able to offer himself as a sacrifice. And that changes everything. Nothing ever was like that beforehand. And he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. It's a great word, that once for all, ipapax, ipapax. And... um, what it does is that, that word, that idea once for all, it really puts Jesus 
at the center of history, which is where he should be, because it is his story, history, and he is the center of it. He's the noun in that story. And, and so every work of grace of God that happens before the cross is looking to it for why it's going to happen, and everything that happens after the cross is looking back at it in that direction, which puts Jesus right there at the center of everything. And, and that's a huge deal, and we need to know that, because, because this is his story, he invites us into his story. But it's his story. He's the noun of the story. That's how I like to say it. It's about him. It's about us some because he invites us in to be what? Adjectives in his story. Descriptors. That's what we're supposed to do. Our lives are supposed to describe Jesus. And that's when we find life, when we're doing that. You know when life gets really muddled for us? When we put ourselves at the center of the story. It's not our story. And it don't work there for you. There's no life there. It's miserable there. But he invites us in and then gives us life on the journey. For the law, it goes on to say, appoints his high priest men in all their weakness. So all of the priests up to this point had been appointed by the law. Aaron, Levi, all those things. But the oath, which came after the law, appointed the son. Who's been made perfect. Now that, I think, might be a little interesting. What in the world are they talking about there? Well, the people he was writing to would certainly have known because they would have had a working knowledge of the Psalms because that was a big deal of their prayer life. And there's a Psalm, uh, Psalm 110, that actually says this. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. There's that name. I've got to talk about him again in a minute. But how do we know that they're talking about Jesus here? Well, the psalm starts out, Psalm 110, talking about Messiah. The Lord God says to my Lord Messiah, that's how those words are actually there, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So we know that this Messiah that's written about in the Psalms is is going to be the high priest forever by oath. Not going to come from the line of Aaron and Levi, because he doesn't, but he's in the order of Melchizedek. Now, last week I brought up Melchizedek, and I, I encourage you if you had a chance to go check out Melchizedek. I know some of you did, some of you didn't. It's all good. But, uh, but I went and hung around with Melchizedek a little bit this week, some more. I've done it before, but see, listen, that's what the scripture does. It begins to open up, and you can start seeing all sorts of things. Well, so who was Melchizedek? And I told you last week, he was a type of royal priest. He was a, the king and the priest, uh, and he was in Salem. And I said last week, why is Salem a big deal? It was known as Salem then in Genesis 14, but later on it's known as Jerusalem. And he's a priest and a king, and we know someone like that. That's Jesus. And so at the very least, Melchizedek sort of prefigures the ministry of Jesus. But you go in and read, and it's, it's strange because the genealogy, we don't know where he comes from. He just sort of appears, and then we don't know how long he lasts or where he goes. Nothing is really ever said about him. He's mentioned there in the Psalms, and then the writer of Hebrews starts to talk about him. So who is Melchizedek? We don't know, but... And you have to be careful when you start trying to figure some of this stuff out, because you could get in some bad places, and some people have with Melchizedek. But one possibility is that Melchizedek was actually a, a Christophany. What's that? Well, Christophany is when, uh, they believe, when, when Jesus appears pre-incarnate in human form. And you say, well, is that even possible? Well, there are theophanies that we know about in, in the Old Testament, What's the theophany? When God appears in human form. So they're close. And Well, where is that? Well, just for starters, there's a couple pretty cool ones. In Gen- if you just moved on a few more chapters in Genesis, Genesis 17, Genesis 18, God appears in human form to Abraham in both spots. First, you know, he, he shows up in Genesis 17, then in Genesis 18. So I got stuck here, I'll be honest. I got to make sure I don't bunny trail down here too long. So... When you read Genesis 18, and you're reading it, so it's so cool, you're starting to look for pictures, right? And it says that, that Abraham's there um, in, in, uh, under a tree in, in Mamre, and trees, and he's in a, near a tent, in his tent, whatever. But when you see trees, you know, we had trees in the creation, right? They're significant in, the, in Eden, and tents are significant, we know that. And so we have these temple pictures, and Abraham's hanging out there in the tent. There's a lot of stuff going on. And it says in Genesis 18, the Lord appears... And when Abraham looks up, you know what he sees? Three guys. Now, 
Things like that ought to just make you go, wow, the Lord appears as three guys? Where have I ever seen three happening with God? Is there connections? Possibly. Oh, and then if you keep, so this is how it keeps getting cooler. So what Abraham does is he runs and he says, Sarah, listen, we, the, God's here. We, we need to put some stuff together for him. And he gives her a description. He gets some wheat and makes some flour and makes some cakes for them. And I'm going to go kill a calf. Well, if you read on in Exodus 2, you find out that they're describing actual offerings that were made to God. And it, it's, they're identical to what's happening. What's happening? Well, Abraham and Sarah are operating as royal priests. So cool, right? Anyway, I think it is. I can get, but we're not going to go there anymore. So, but we have this pictures of things that are happening. At the very least, uh, Melchizedek prefigures the ministry of Jesus, what it's going to look like. And it says, because of that, to Jesus, you're a priest forever. Because Jesus never dies, he, he will always be high priest. He's not going to be replaced or changed. He goes on forever. And, and so you begin to tie these pictures together. You need to. He's, he's for us. He's with us. He's gone behind the curtain to make a way for us to have access to God. This access changes everything. And because of what he's done, we're encouraged. Because, wow. And that allows us to encourage others, which is how we're supposed to be living in this world. Taking on the idea of what it means to be a royal priest, the way that we were created. How we can be that to people in the world around us who are broken and hurting and desperate for people to stand in some sort of real way and love them without pointing out all their mess. Not, not saying everything is okay, but loving people in, an, in, in cooperation with the Spirit of God to draw people back into relationship with God. See, that's what we're supposed to be up to. And, and so that kind of gets us ready for the next passage where things start to change because it's, we have these sins. Since Jesus has done these things, then let us. And we're going to look at the things that we're supposed to do. But we'll pick that up next week. Right there. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall. Alice, my love, why don't you come up here and we will pray. And then we'll dismiss people out into the brutal Arctic cold. (laughs) To be encouragers. Papa, we're grateful. We love you so much. You, You overwhelm us with your love and your mercy and your grace and with your, with your word and and how it comes alive to us and how amazing the story is and that it connects and flows and that we can find your wisdom in it to experience the life that you want for us, the full and abundant life. And I I pray, Papa, that we would be encouraged so that we can encourage others. But God, it's got to start with that. So, Lord, for anybody this morning who's really battling discouragement, I just pray that you would move in a mighty way and fill them with courage. Courage to, to press into you, to love you, to follow you, to live your way. Knowing it's not a performance-based thing, but that you understand us and, and you're with us. And, and God, that we can come to you in any situation. And Jesus, that you've promised to help us, to lead and to guide us. And so I pray, God, that, that you would help us all to be encouraged today. To encourage others well. Amen. When Steve was talking about being a mess, that really hit someone, I don't know who, and you, you're coming to the Lord and you're just bringing him all this mess. And, and the Lord always goes deeper. He doesn't even see that part of it. He always goes deeper than the mess. And he goes to the why. And when you get to the why, you just find a fountain of grace. And so that's what he wants you to just, you know, put that away. And he's going to speak to your heart. So if that's anybody, may the Lord just speak to you today and be blessed and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, I like that. And I love that God doesn't stay on the surface. No, that's a good thing. So neither, we sh- neither should we. Okay, this whole journey starts by knowing Jesus. He, it's his story, and he invites us into it. And the way we respond to that invitation is saying, yes, we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? If you've never done that, 
then do it today. Do it right now. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Best decision you will ever make. And so now is the best possible time if you haven't done it before. Thanks again, church, for your amazing generosity. And we we are so grateful to partner with you. Thankful your faithfulness to your offering, your giving, your tithing. Bless you for that. And, uh, and we're grateful to um, be with you on this journey. Let's sing the doxology. It will rain children and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. These doors will be open for you, so head out that way. Have a great day. Maybe you can catch some fish, but it's awful cold. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye.